Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Watch Dogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. My voice is back. Uh, it was crazy having that tube stuffed down my throat for my endoscopic appendectomy. That's what it's called now. And I don't even have a cool scar. I've just got a, three stupid little holes in my stomach. But I do thank the medical team for all their great work. And uh, I feel fantastic now. Uh, I don't know if maybe there was some toxicity going on from that appendix starting to swell, but uh, I feel just fantastic this week. So this is episode uh, 16, I believe. And I am going to give you a little bit more detail on the Biden family business. This will be part two. Believe it or not, there's actually so much. I'm actually going to have to do a part three. Okay, to continue with the Biden family business. And today, I got a lot of my information from three different sources. Miranda Devine's uh, interview, uh, and she's a writer for the New York Post, by the way. And she also wrote the book called The Laptop from Hell, which basically details everything that's in Hunter's laptop, especially that which includes his father in a lot of the business deals. Also, interviews with Peter Schweitzer. And um, Tony Bobolinsky, and one interview he had with, I believe it was Tucker Carlson, he was a former business partner of Hunter's, and he has come forward and basically validated all of the emails and said, yes, the big guy in the emails is Joe Biden. Remember, thinking back to the first time when I was starting to talk about this, how there was one email that said, H holds 10% for the big guy. So that means everything we're talking about, Joe is getting 10%. And you remember me talking about an office space that Joe and Hunter shared with a Chinese official last name Dong. I found out more information about that. Uh, the gentleman's name is Gongwen Dong. He represents the China government in a lot of different energy projects. He has a company called Hudson West 5. It's an LLC that's used to acquire a lot of energy projects around the world, but mostly in the US. He provided Hunter James, who is Joe's brother, by the way, Hunter's uncle, and James's wife, Sarah, all with a $100,000 credit line. They gave him credit cards and let him go spend. And they spent the money on airplane tickets and drugs and restaurants and bought many items at Apple stores. All told, they spent $101,291.46. So that was just a fun little intro that, uh, you know, Gong Wen Dong provided the Biden family. Then I discovered Hunter and James received multiple wire transfers from Yi Jianming of CEFC. CEFC is China's primary energy company. Yi Jianming has had many meetings, I guess you could say, <laughs> with Hunter and actually with Joe himself. Uh, they received multiple wire transfers, $165,000. $100,000 for Hunter and $65,000 for James for introductions and information. 
one of the examples of this, there was a natural gas project in Louisiana that they were trying to get him involved in. But thankfully, I believe the people in Louisiana realized that uh, these shell companies that they were talking with uh, Hunter and, and James were really fronts for China, the Chinese government. So they backed out of the deal. Also, um, Hong Kong records show that the Bidens were tied to a man by the name of Henry Zhao. And Henry Zhao paid Hunter $5 million for introductions and information. And he used to work for the Chinese military intelligence. Hmm. And you remember in last week's teaser, I talked about Hunter Biden being paid in diamonds. Well, Yi Jianming gave Hunter a 3.16 carat diamond, all for saying thank you for these introductions and information. And then after they met and Yi Jianming realized how much information Hunter could provide, he paid Hunter $10 million a year for three years for all of these introductions. And believe me, because Hunter was the son of the vice president of the United States at that time, Joe Biden, those introductions were plentiful. So remember I said that Biden's received $31 million. That's where it came from, from Yi Jianming of CEFC, a Chinese energy company. So I started wondering, how does Hunter meet all these people? How does he get a chance to do that? Well, we know he took one trip on Air Force Two with his dad to uh, Beijing, China, and came back after that. And Burisma received a $1.5 billion energy contract. Very, very nice. But also, there is a woman named Kathy Chung who used to work for Hunter. When Joe became VP, his personal assistant was leaving, and so Hunter recommended Joe uh, take or interview Kathy Chung, and she got the job and ended up being his personal executive assistant. And while working for Joe, Hunter attended a state luncheon honoring Xi Jinping. And wow, that's pretty amazing that he got introduced to the president of China. But what's interesting is while Kathy Chung was working as the executive assistant for Joe, she still reported back to Hunter about everything he was doing. And interestingly enough, she is now being questioned by the House Investigative Committee. Hmm. I think she probably has a lot of information that she could provide uh, provided she is offered immunity of some kind. And again, this is my speculation, all my opinion, but this is what I've discovered in all of my reading. So now let's think about this, okay? We know H holds 10% for the big guy. How do you think the big guy got paid? Well, we know right now that Hunter Biden has these art exhibits and sells these paint-by-number paintings that he paints by blowing air through the straws, probably the same straws he used to snort cocaine from. But he paints these paintings, and then they sell for $500,000. And no one is allowed to know, to know the identity of the buyers. 
So now we know Hunter Biden stayed in the family home in Wilmington and paid his father $49,991 per month for rent. Huh. Now, let, I think those numbers kind of add up. 500000 to should carry the five. So, yeah, I think that's about 10%, don't you? I think that Hunter was paying his 10% to the big guy in rent. Man, it is good to be a Biden, huh? I mean, goodness gracious, they've got money flowing constantly from all kinds of different sources. And one might assume that with all of the money coming in from Chinese officials, Joe might be a little compromised. Of course, that's just my opinion. And of course, if you disagree with this opinion, don't hesitate to write me, Drew, at the thewatchdogsbark.com. Oh, and there's one other connection I want to let you guys know about, and then I'll go on to something else because there was some something that happened this week that greatly touched me. I want to tell you about it. So um, remember Hunter Biden was on the board of directors of Burisma Energy Company in Ukraine. Well, it turns out that Burisma is really owned by a Ukrainian billionaire, Mykola Zlochevsky, and he is a close ally of Vladimir Putin. And you remember, Joe Biden withheld a billion dollars in U.S. aid if a prosecutor investigating Burisma wasn't fired. So, oh, also, and you remember, uh, the former first lady of Moscow sent a wire transfer to Hunter Biden for $3.5 million and then later was involved in uh, between $100 and $200 million real estate deal with the Bidens. So who's really connected to Russia? I'll leave you to think on that one until next time. Right now, I want to talk about something else really important to me, something that really, really touched me. I was listening to a North Korean defector by the name of Yeonmi Park, who talks about her harrowing story of being raised in North Korea and the fact that 90% of people, the population of North Korea, are starving. And the reason why is they want equity. They want everyone to have the exact same outcome. Does that sound familiar? As a matter of fact, she actually warned of what she sees here in America as very similar to what was happening in North Korea and that we're not allowed to question our government and we're not allowed to question medical authorities and we're not allowed to question different people that are saying things so definitively, kind of like um, Al Gore, you know, says that the science is settled and everyone else that tries to make it sound like a definitive statement where everyone agrees and no one could possibly disagree, she says, is the same thing she saw happening in North Korea. And it's something that really bothers her about what's happening here in America. This is a woman who was escaping from North Korea 
and went into China. She, would, they, she and her mother and her sister were picked up by human traffickers and sold into sex slavery for $200. And she spent years as a sex slave in China. And she said at that time, she actually lost all faith in humanity because the only people she knew in China were her rapists. And then when her and her mother and her sister escaped from China and North Korea and actually made it across the freezing desert into Mongolia and then were actually rescued by some missionaries to help them get into South Korea, then they finally found safety. And her experience since coming here to the United States is really interesting to listen to. What she went through is true oppression. In North Korea, they are raised not to understand what happiness is or what true love is. They are taught to have unconditional, unfailing love for their leader. They're taught to actually look upon their leader, Kim Jong-un at this time, as almost a deity. So she talks about two specific instances, one on the Joe Rogan show and then one on uh, the Brian Kilmeade show I was listening to. On Joe Rogan, she talked about how when she was in Chicago, and this was during the summer of 2020, and they were having all kinds of the uprising and riots and different things that were going on in cities around our country. And she was out with her baby and her nanny and three black women robbed her outside of Saks Fifth Avenue. And they tried to flee, but she managed to grab onto the woman's arm who took her wallet and was holding on to the woman and attempting to call the police. And the woman started punching her and calling her a racist. She said, the color of my skin doesn't make me a thief. And then they caused such a stir, all kinds of bystanders started gathering around, actually prevented her from calling the police. One woman actually pointed to her and told her children that children is a racist. That's the problem we have in this country. Can you believe that? She was called a racist for trying to hold the woman that stole her wallet from her because she was, what do you call, Koreans, I guess, are white adjacent. I don't know what you would call that. So because she had white skin, she was considered a racist. And by the way, later on, after she was able to call the police, they were able to not only have CCT camera uh, of the women robbing her, but also they tracked the credit card use that was her credit cards and finally found the woman and she had, has been convicted of robbery. But can you imagine that? She said even in North Korea, even in the oppressed country of North Korea, if someone is a victim and they're yelling and screaming and trying to get help from others, other people would help them. They would call the police. They would not try and prevent them from calling the police and calling them racist. So think about that. North Korea, okay? 90% of the population are starving because of how oppressed they are. 
yet they would help a victim, not help the thieves. That's one example. The other example is when she was attending Columbia University in New York. She misgendered some person, a man who was obviously pretending to be a woman, and she referred to him as him. And this person got so offended, they started to cry. And how dare you oppress me like this? Can you imagine the irony and the thoughts going through her head? My friend, you have no idea what oppression really is. Your being offended is not you being oppressed. And remember, my friends, offense is never given. It is taken. When you take offense, you are choosing to take offense. Those people that are saying things that offend you probably aren't saying them to offend you. They're probably just their opinion. But you are choosing to take offense. And I'm sure that's what uh, this woman, was, uh, Miss Park, was thinking at this time when this person was complaining that he's being oppressed because she called him or her and he's really a transgender woman and, and he's really a woman. And you need to use the, the pronoun she and, and uh, her. Sorry, if someone mistakenly misgenders you and you choose to take offense, that's on you, not on them. And because of these instances, both talking to Joe Rogan and Brian Kilmeade, thank you. She said that she's actually very worried about what's going on in our country and sees a lot of warning signs of censorship and the government actually brainwashing people to the point of where if anyone says anything other than the group think that is acceptable for everyone, they offend people because they've been taught that they have the right not to be offended. You do not have the right to not be offended. In order for you to have that right, you would have to rob someone else's freedom of speech. Think about that. Nowhere in the Constitution does it guarantee your right not to be offended. You know, I think of stories like this and I think, when did we get to this point? When did we get to this point where, you know, when I was raised, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. We didn't take offense when someone put us down or belittled us or something like that. And if we did, it was for a very short time and then we moved on. When did we get to a point where people actually believe that they have the right not to be offended and that when they are offended, it's the same as being oppressed. That just boggles my mind that we've gotten to this point. Okay, just a quick comment on the train derailment that happened in Palestine, Ohio. Uh, finally, the um, railway company, Norfolk Southern, is going to take responsibility for this. I don't think they understand how serious this really is. I mean, we've got Aaron Brockovich now. You know, the movie that Julia Roberts starred in about the um, poisons that were being put into the water and soil 
in Hinckley, California, and they got like a $250, $290 million settlement. I think Norfolk Southern will be lucky if they get that. I think they're going to be paying billions uh, to clean up this mess. And yes, it was their responsibility because apparently the warning lights and sounds went off for this brake overheating and they were ignored. And I know a lot of people want to blame this on Trump again, saying that, well, he, he lessened the uh, regulations for speed uh, with trains going through. Ta- That's not true at all. As a matter of fact, even in the Washington Post, that got four Pinocchios. So that is not a true statement. But like I said, I think Norfolk Southern is going to be paying a lot of money for years to come because what's happening right now, the immediate effects are nothing compared to the long-term effects like cancers and, you know, malformities and different things like that or the, that will happen because of these poisonous chemicals that were released into the air, soil, and water. Then another thing I want to comment on is the wokeism in the aviation industry. There have been a couple of uh, near miss crashes happening in the aviation industry because we have inexperienced pilots flying these planes because the airlines are woke and focusing on diversity and inclusion rather than competency. It's the same thing that's happening in our military. And believe me, I'm going to spend an entire podcast on that because that right there is is absolutely tragic in my mind and detrimental to our national security. So in the aviation industry, they've had a couple of different uh Near misses, one uh, in Houston's airport at the George Bush airport. A plane was coming in for a landing and last minute saw another plane taxi onto the takeoff runway right in front of it. And it was had to pull up and uh, scared everybody in the plane. And then the pilot got on and explained what had happened. And he had to go around the pattern again and come in and land again. Because the person that was taxiing on the ground wasn't paying attention like they should have. Then there was another plane that was, when you're at night uh, and and you're uh, surrounded by clouds or stuff, it can be very easy to get disoriented when you're flying. And you could not be uh, aware, but your plane is slowly but surely diving. And that was happening Uh, off the coast of Hawaii. Another plane actually pulled out 300 feet above the ocean because the pilot got disoriented and didn't know where he was. And uh, if you remember my podcast talking about bad attitude, that's what it's called is when you're upside down and backwards or you're diving or anything like that, that's, that's definitely out of the ordinary. In aviation terms, that's called being in a bad attitude. So that's what's been happening. If we continue this, a lot of our industries that require uh, safety expertise, uh, very technical expertise, uh, many hours of training, if we 
go into the fact that our first priority is going to be diversity rather than competency, these things are going to continue happening. And also, one other thing I wanted to talk about that's kind of humorous, but also a bit pathetic and sad. Uh, it turns out one of the three balloons, I'm putting in air quotes, that was floating above, you know, Alaska and the Yukon Territory up in Canada and over Lake Huron in Michigan. Well, one of those balloons that was floating over Yukon in Canada was actually a hobby balloon. It was from a company called Pico, P-I-C-O. And there is a hobby group in Illinois that claims it went missing around the same time a quote-unquote UFO was shot down by an F-22. Let me explain to you how absurd this really is. These Pico hobby balloons depending on what all you put on them, you know, cameras and, and sensitive equipment, stuff like that, they can run anywhere from $12 to $180, okay? That's for the big top-of-the-line one with all the bells and whistles, $180. And that balloon was shot down by a $400,000 Sidewinder missile. <laughs> You cannot make this up. I mean, a hobby balloon from a hobby group in Illinois was shot down by a half million dollar Sidewinder missile. All because Joe Biden got so much flack for letting the Chinese spy balloon float over our country for an entire week that he thought he should probably shoot down everything else. And remember, I was actually kind of considering this might be a UFO. Turns out, most likely the other two are also hobby balloons. I wonder what the price discrepancy between the price of the balloon and the Sidewinder missiles that shot them down were anywhere close in value. <laughs> okay, and one last thing I want to talk about before I go to my positive note is there is a Texas doctor. Her name is Mary Tally Bowden. Dr. Mary Tally Bowden. If you want to follow her on Twitter, it's at mdbreathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E. She is a board-certified Stanford-educated doctor who has saved more than 5,500 patients' lives. And she is the mother of four boys also, and she's being sued, and the board, the medical board in Texas is trying to take her license. Why are they doing this? Because she's been treating her patients with an off-label cheap drug called ivermectin. It's, she's using it for her patients for COVID and also for vaccine injuries. Yes, as we know in my previous podcasts, there have been many vaccine injuries. Ivermectin was actually approved in the 70s for parasites, particularly a river parasite that would destroy vision. The two doctors that created Ivermectin in 2015 were given the Nobel Prize. And yet there are so many people that are still saying Ivermectin is a horse dewormer and used on by veterinarians. It's not used on humans. Since 1987, 
That's when it was approved for human use. That has been the case. It has helped treat many humans of parasitical infections. So go to her page on Twitter and follow her and give her support uh, because what she's facing is what anyone else is going to face when they start speaking the truth about these other medications, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin and different regimens like that, and their effectiveness because Big Pharma wants you to take their drugs. Oh, and by the way, the two hospitals trying to sue her and take away her medical license are the Houston Methodist and the Texas Health Hughley Hospital. The Houston Methodist Hospital brings in $12 billion a year, and the Hughley Hospital brings in $1.2 billion a year. So you can see it's pretty much a David versus Goliath. And I love the fact that Dr. Bowden is not backing down. She's not, she doesn't feel threatened and she's going to take this all the way to court uh, to make sure that they answer for what they've been trying to do. This, my friends, is really good versus evil. And lastly, like I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note. This time, it's based on a video I saw uh, where a motivational speaker brought a audience member up on stage and handed them a fresh $20 bill. So let's say for the sake of argument, let's make it more valuable. Let's make it a $100 bill. And he said, would you take this $100 bill as it is? Of course, audience member said yes. Then he folded it in half and he said, would you still take it? Yes, of course. Then he folded it again and again. He folded it like four or five times until it was a little tiny wad. Would you still take this $20 bill? Yes, of course. Then he unfolded it, put it on the ground and stomped on it and rubbed it around and uh, threw dirt on it and poured water on it and made it muddy, a muck, a muck muck and muddy uh, mess. And then he picked up that with the water dripping from the $100 bill. And he said, would you take it now? And of course, the audience member said, well, yes, it's still worth $100. And he says, exactly. Life will beat you down. You'll be ridiculed. You'll be made fun of. You'll hit obstacles that you think will be the end of your achievements. You'll hit obstacles that will test every fiber of your resolve. No one, no matter what they do to you, no matter how much they beat on you and stomp on you and fold you up into a pretzel and twist your words and make fun of you and marginalize you, you are still worth everything. Don't ever forget that. You are divinely created. You are the lineage of divinity. You are one in nine, almost nine billion. There is no other like you in the entire world. You are that unique and special. So just remember that when the world is trying to stomp on you and beat you down, Stay strong, look inward, and realize your self-worth. If you do this and always maintain 
a strong self-worth, you will be impenetrable to these attacks. You will stand through any storm that you are called to face because your inner self-worth gives you that strong enough foundation to endure anything. So my friends, know your worth. Don't ever listen to people who tell you you're worth nothing because that is not true and it never will be true. And with that, I want to thank you again for listening to The Watchdogs Bark. If you want to write me, please do. Write me anything, positive, negative, support, uh, questioning everything I'm saying. Give me ideas of stuff to research that you want to know about. I love to research. So uh, write me at drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. And until next time, create an amazing day.